as Father Stephen mentioned, please be go easy, gentle. It is it is very good to be here with you today. So I'll tell you a little story. When I was a little boy, there was a picture on my bedroom wall. In this picture had uh, it was a picture of Jesus with you know his his uh, the holy heart of Jesus, the blessed heart of Jesus. And, Je- and on this picture, Jesus is standing there with a typical um, Renaissance type of pose like this, right? And Jesus is looking at you with his heart and he's looking at you with tender, loving eyes. Now, when it was time for me to go to sleep, I always hoped that my parents would stay up a lot longer, a lot later than me because I never liked the dark. I if I had it my way, my light would, my bedroom would have been on all night. Alas, I was not allowed that, so I had to turn the light off. But then there was some light coming from, from the living room because in the house that we lived, there was a huge window kind of thing that was from the living room to, to the bedroom. So there was light when my parents were up. But I was not allowed the light on, and I didn't like the lights. But I was not as crafty as Father Stephen was, and I didn't sneak and I flashlight under my pillow. So I wish I could have. I really, I really wish I could have, because when there wasn't enough lights, I could have sworn that that picture on my wall, all of a sudden, began to move his arms like this. And it was about the time of disco, so there may have been some influences there, but... Uh, it, it was terrifying because it was looking straight at, straight at me, straight in the eye. It was looking at me like as if I did something wrong. You know when your parents catch you doing something you shouldn't be doing? That's kind of like the way that picture of Jesus was looking at me. Sometimes I would get so scared that I would have to call my mother so she would just come in and turn the light on and make sure that I was fine. Once the light was on, then the picture was still again with a dignified post and it was looking at me with loving eyes so I wouldn't be scared anymore. I find it interesting that most of the greatest works of literature and the great epic stories and all the books also deal with the theme of dark and lightness, uh, light and darkness. Some of my favorites, all-time favorites, are like the, the Lord of the Rings movies. I'm a nerd, so Macbeth in Shakespeare is also one of them. Les Miserables. And uh, relatively recently, the Angels and Demons book was awesome. Now, all the themes of light and darkness in those works are very, um, not only evident in the images, and, uh, uh, but also in the clear identification of light with good and darkness with evil. Now, also, I have to write this because I have children, but who can forget the great phenomenon of the Harry Potter books that were also very, very good. I mean, even, even the bad guy is called the Dark Lord, right? So it's um, images are very clear and are very accessible, perhaps even more easily recognizable in these series of books and the movies made from those books. Even more interesting is the fact that the book of Genesis begins with that very same theme. In Genesis 1, 2, it says, The earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a, w- while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. 
So by now, I think we're all on the same page with God, and we know that light is good, right? Good. So in Father Stephen's sermons last Sunday, we heard about trusting in God, trusting that God truly loves us, and trusting that God has our best interests in mind, always, even when we don't recognize it. This is very important to remember when we hear today's readings. In the gospel today, we see that the Holy Family is going to the temple to fulfill their obligations according to the law. But before they start doing all the rituals and the purification, before they get into the pool, and etc., some old guy comes in and grabs his baby Jesus and starts saying some weird stuff. And then I think to stop for a little bit and say, like, what would have happened if you bring your baby to be baptized to the church and all of a sudden somebody comes and grabs your baby? I would have startled a little bit. I think I, I would have grabbed my baby right back. But now Simeon, however, he is praising God because he gets it. He recognizes who this baby is. But wait another minute. This is a baby of a very poor family. Had Joseph been a wealthy man, he would have gotten a, a, a sheep or a lamb or, or at least a goat for the sacrifice. Instead, the gospel tells us that he is bringing two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Those were the allowances if we couldn't afford the proper sacrifice. Now, we know that the people's expectations for the Messiah were very different. They were expecting a kingly figure like King David. They were also expecting like a warrior figure, somebody who would come and liberate them from their oppressors. They were not having a good time under the, under the Romans. Instead, they get this fragile baby born to a poor and humble family. Yet Simeon recognizes God's Messiah. Simeon is a very interesting figure because he represents for us what happens when we listen to God. What happens when we trust in God's promises. When we trust that God truly has our best interests in mind. Simeon has waited a very long time. And he allows himself to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so he sees Jesus. He sees God's light. He sees the light. In the middle of all that joy, Simeon does have some difficult words for Mary and tells her about when he tells her about her son and some of the pain that she will experience later on in life. So here we also see that life with Jesus from the very beginning is full of joy, but also has is a life with some difficulty. Now after this, we also see another person in the story, Anna, who is a prophet and who also recognizes the baby Jesus and she know and she now is set into set in motion by this revelation. She also sees the light. Now I find it interesting that the gospel tells us about Anna. It says that she was um she was a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. Now, I'm not going to go into the intricacies, and there's a lot of complications into all these things, the history of the, the, the northern tribe of Asher, and et cetera, et cetera. But, I will, but what I will say is this. The, the book of Genesis tells us that Jacob, the last of the uh, biblical patriarchs, describes his son Asher, who is uh, the father of the tribe of Asher, as happy. Like he always is smiling, and, and he's happy. And he also blesses him with prosperity. 
Anna's father's name is also very consequential here. His name is Fanuel. Digging a little deep and doing some homework, I found that Fanuel means, literally means, the face of God. So Anna is from the happy tribe, and her, and her dad is the faith, face of God. That's really interesting. But at long last, Anna has seen the actual face of God when she sees the baby Jesus. So now we can say that her joy and her hope and her happiness is now complete. Now the gospel tells us that Anna never left the temple. But as soon as he saw Jesus, she was moved to action. Speaking about the child, the gospel says, to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. What does that all mean for us here today? Well, we can see that time and time again, God is masterful at surprising us. No matter how well we know these stories, no matter how many times we've heard them here at church, in small groups, and Bible studies, there, we seem to find something new and exciting about God's Word. Now, most of us here are familiar with this, with this story, but I can tell you I have learned something new about this. Well, even while I was writing this homily, even when I'm speaking to you right now, I'm still learning something new. I pray that this element of surprise, of the newness of God's Word never goes away. I hope I always get excited, and I hope I always find something new that God will speak to me through His Word. But I also know that, like Simeon and Anna, I have to be open to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I have to be prepared to see God at work in the things that I may not recognize. Things that I may not understand. Or even the things I may not like. Things I may not want to see. You know that old saying that God works in mysterious ways. It may be a little cliche, but it's so true. We have to be prepared for anything. How do we prepare ourselves, Father Stephen? You said last week that we have to trust in God. We have to trust that God has our best interests in life, in mind. And that is how we prepare. As a father, and at this stage in my life, as you may have noticed, I, I'm not 22 anymore. <laughs> um, I'm in I'm a different stage of life than, for example, Father Stephen and Tobia are. My youngest daughter broke the news to Tracy and I last night that she's planning on moving out soon. Um, this was very uncomfortable for me to hear. In fact, I was, I was very sad. My baby. Um, but I, even though I, I knew that this, this day was coming, this is a natural life event. Children do leave home. And no matter how much I don't like it, I still have to trust that God has her best interest in, in mind. I can't put my own selfish interests before hers because if I had it my way, she'd be at home forever. But if I trust in God's plan, my job as a father is to support my daughter in her, uh, in her decision. I do have to trust that she's going to do well. I do have to trust that God's going to take care of her. Even when she encounters the difficulties of the grown-up world. I guess that what I'm trying to say here is that when we encounter the joy and the difficulties in life, we have to be open to recognize God's presence in the things that we may 
think that God doesn't bother with. In everyday simple things that happen to us, at our jobs, schools, with our families, in our friends, in the stranger in the street, in the homeless person asking for change, in the person doing battle with addictions or, or mental health, and those people in society and, and much too often that we ourselves look down upon. In the total weakness and vulnerability, in his total weakness and vulnerability, Jesus calls us today to recognize him, not as an eight-day-old baby, but in all those he calls us to serve and to look after. Jesus today calls us to be the Simeons and the Annas of today, here in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in the world that God so loves. The question that the prophet Malachi asks today is very poignant when he says, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? I ask, who indeed can recognize Jesus in the world today? The calling is to all of us who call ourselves Christians to, to seek Jesus in those people Jesus talks about in the Gospel of Matthew, for example. Matthew 25, 34 says, what the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the prisoner. Jesus is very clear in saying that when we feed the hungry, we give drink to the thirsty, when we welcome the stranger, the refugees, and the displaced. We clothe the naked and take care of the sick and visit the prisoner. We do it to him. That is how Jesus is calling us to celebrate the presentation of the Lord. This is how we are like Simeon and Anna. This is how we can endure his coming and we can stand when he appears. It happens when we recognize who Jesus is today and always. If we believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we must recognize as he is in the we must recognize him as he is in the world today. We trust, we are to trust that Jesus we have to trust God. We are to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. We are to trust God. Trust that in Jesus, as the preface of the Gospel of John says, John 1, 5, in Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. I do understand that at times we get frightened by the things we see, especially nowadays it seems very bleak and dire. It's kind of like that picture on my wall when I was a boy. But like my mother, like my mother did, turning the light on, the light makes things look right again. Jesus is our light. But unlike the light that can be turned on and off, like my mom did, the light of God never, is never turned off. Let us recognize our lights. Let us trust our God and let us receive him as he is presented to us today, here, and every day. <laughs>